We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. Hey Kyle, I am really excited to be here. It is absolutely freezing cold in Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> I think the wind chills have been negative 50 and negative 40 oh the last gosh. two days, respectively. And so I've been inside a lot, which has given me a bunch of opportunity to prep for today's show. And I'm, I'm really excited to warm up with a little bit of Packers talk. And we are absolutely entering the doldrums of the offseason. And we wanted to start evaluating the ways the Packers could improve their roster um, in the upcoming months. One thing I started last year when I was writing for PackersTalk.com was doing a complete off-season simulation. And since Kyle and I share the same passion for roster building, we thought we would each do a simulation and then compare and contrast the results that we had. We're going to use Fanspeak's ultimate GM for both free agency and the draft. While the specific players may not be directly applicable to what actually transpires, it does serve as a great way to discover ways Brian Gutekunst could address the several positions of need for the Packers. 
I wrote articles about four different simulations last year. And on one of them, I had the Packers signing Teron Williams and drafting Josh Jackson, Equinemia St. Brown, and J.K. Scott. That's not at all a brag. It's just that the more you discover how Green Bay can actually fill some of their roster weaknesses, the more likely you are to find solutions that make sense for the team. And I love mock drafts. And I know Kyle does too. Absolutely. But when you run mock drafts with no connection to who might be cut or re-signed or brought in through free agency, you often end up with a very narrow viewpoint. So we are trying to bring more of uh, a view of the forest instead of just concentrating on the trees. And my hope is that we get a bunch of Twitter interaction and feedback regarding these mocks or simulations. I know I'm not right about every player's performance and value, Kyle probably will be, sure. but if you're if you're a transaction nerd like we are, we'd love to hear what you think about it. So to to get things set up, factoring in approximately five million dollars to say for joining for signing the draft class, the Packers will sit around thirty seven million dollars in cap space. So we need to take a look at who might lose their roster spots to expand that number. So Kyle, why don't you get us started? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was fully expecting to cut Jimmy Graham uh, to save about $5.3 million in cap. I just felt like his production could be replaced, but it does certainly sound like the Packers intend to keep him. Uh, so thanks to that news report, Jimmy Graham dodges the bullet and stays on my roster for 2019. Uh, I actually did not end up making any cuts, and uh, this was surprising to me quite a bit. In fact, the only cut that I was intent on making in this process was to part ways with Tremont Williams because cutting Williams would save $4.75 million in cap room, and I just didn't think his contributions were as valuable as that rather high cap number. Uh, now, that said, I was able to come to a restructure with Williams. He agreed to come back for a one-year $2 million deal, uh, probably to kind of wrap up his career here in Green Bay. Um and that was obviously a much lower cap number as well. So uh, I really like the idea of having Tremont come back as an emergency cornerback and a backup safety that can contribute uh, and invest in these young cornerbacks on this roster. So his veteran leadership was something that was worth uh, paying that contract for me. I also considered cutting Nick Perry. And I'm guessing that Andrew will probably take a little bit different take on this. But for me, yeah. the dead <laughs> uh, I'm in trouble here. But uh, the dead cap that you have to eat on Perry's deal is significant. And he absolutely did not play well in 2018. But cutting Perry only saves you $3.6 million in cap at the end of the day. And on the off chance that he has a rebound campaign in 2019, I want Nick Perry on my roster as that third or fourth rusher. That could be a huge luxury uh, down the line, especially if there were injuries that were to kick in. Uh, And so one I'm willing to gamble on for that $3.6 million uh, that I didn't really see myself, you know, spending all the way down to the cap bubble anyway. So uh, I'm no fun. At the end of the day, uh, outside of Tremont Williams' restructure, I cut no one. And so my cap room is sitting at, three, uh, I guess, $39 million after that restructure of Tremont Williams. So, Andrew, who gets the axe for you in this process? Yeah, so I get to be the mean person uh, terminating people's contracts and making them move or, or giving up on their NFL dreams, right? This um, is someone's life, Andrew. I know, right? Even in the simulation, these right. are real people. It's are real people. That were fake cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I did decide to cut Nick Perry and save that $3.6 million. That leaves a huge dead cap hit, and, and you, you talked about that. But quite frankly, I don't care about that. Um, full transparency here, I did think it was a good re-signing when he signed that contract. Uh, but it is telling that a $3.6 million cap savings is more valuable on the roster than Perry is at this point in his career. I would also cut Tremont Williams, and and the restructure was something that I thought about a little bit. I I really appreciate everything he's done for that team, seeing some videos on Twitter of his interception against the Falcons that he returned for the touchdown in that playoff run, um, really brought back some fond memories of Tremont. But the cap space is more important than his veteran presence. So maybe Kyle is right, and you can get him back at a discount, but quite frankly, I'm ready to move on, even, even if he's willing to restructure. And then we come to Jimmy Graham, and I think Andy Herman's season grades really influenced me because at first I was ready to keep him on the roster, and uh, more recently I definitely wanted to cut him. But all the news points to him sticking around, so I actually did a simulation cutting Jimmy Graham, and then that news broke, and I had to go back and redo (laughs) the whole thing, so... um, I have very mixed feelings about it, but um, I'm definitely going to factor him in being on the roster. So those two cuts, uh, Nick Perry and Tremont Williams, will get Green Bay to about $46 million in cap room. Um, Kyle, in your simulation, who are you trying to re-sign? Yeah, so I offered Clay Matthews a contract, uh, but in full transparency, it was probably a low-ball offer for what he can get on the open market, and he did decline it. So uh, no Clay Matthews back in Green Bay in 2019. Uh, Geronimo Allison was really tempting for me to resign. I actually think that that could be a really good move for the Packers, uh, but I chose to save that cap and invest it in other places that we'll see later in the simulation. Um, but Allison is someone that I think kind of duplicates uh, himself with the other guys on the roster. So I think the Packers could see him as something that they already have in some other guys. But uh, one of the re-signings that I did decide uh, that I thought that the Packers should should pursue was to bring back uh, Bashad Breland. I signed Breland to a three-year deal at $6 million per year. Uh, that might be steep for what he actually gets on the open market uh, with his kind of a half a year he played last year. It's hard to tell what that market will be, but I felt it was important to get him back. Uh, he showed a lot last year when he was on the field. And he had that three-year, $24 million deal in place with Carolina before they nullified that contract because of his failed physical. So I felt pretty good about where that deal came in with Breland. And I did have to negotiate with him for quite a while in the simulation, but we did get him back in green pay. So uh, who are you bringing back, Andrew? Yeah, the the first move I'd make is I'd offer a very reasonable contract to bring back Randall Cobb. But I think he's actually worth a lot more to another team than he is to the Packers. And I wanted to place an emphasis on acquiring some wide receiver talent outside of the the current roster anyways. And so um, I had to move on with Cobb. I can't help but to watch Julian Edelman and see what Cobb's career could have been recently. So I'm actually probably pretty optimistic that Randall Cobb has a pretty decent 2019 season, but on a different roster. Everybody else can go. Uh, Breland had some high spots last year for sure, but quite frankly, I thought he was bad more than he was good. And I really like Allison. In fact, he was my undrafted free agent sleeper the year that uh, he wasn't drafted and signed. But I struggled to find a role for him. 
And finally, I'm on the record of saying that Clay is going to go somewhere and be a successful part of a pass rush rotation. Um, some teams that that are kind of obvious to me that come to mind, New England, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, San Diego, Kansas City, etc., and maybe be like a Chris Long or a late career James Harrison, but he's not an every down player. And quite frankly, I think his time in Green Bay is up and there's not really a spot for him anymore. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of where I was with Clay. It was just kind of like he wasn't willing to come back for the price of a rotational player. And so uh, it was best to move on there. But um, after bringing back Breland, that leaves me with about $34 million in cap room to kind of play with. And I did have some fun. In free agency. So here we go. Um, we signed guard Quentin Spain, a three-year, $3 million per year contract. Uh, he spent last season playing for Matt LaFleur in Tennessee. And so I think he might be a natural fit to come over to Green Bay because of that relationship. Uh, he already knows the blocking scheme, and he'd be an immediate upgrade at right guard. So um, he probably wouldn't be too expensive either. This is a three-year, $3 million per year. And I he might command that much, but I don't know. He might even come in a little bit less than that or less years committed to that contract. So uh, Quentin Spain's my first guy. Uh, edge rusher Trey Flowers was my next addition. Uh, got him on a four-year deal. Twenty, or, That'd be a lot. $12 million <laughs> per year, um, which is actually, I think, a discount for what he may go for on the open market for sure. Uh, Flowers is a thick edge rusher who's been durable and reliable for the Patriots. He's listed at six foot two and 265 pounds and grades out equally as well as a run defender as he does a pass rusher. Uh, he's pretty crazy good at both, actually. Uh, on top of that, he's only 25 years old, so it's possible that the Packers would be paying for Flowers best years. They could still be ahead of him, and that's always a nice thing when you do that in free agency. And uh, one thing that I really like about Flowers is that he has shown growth each of his first Four years of his career. His uh, pro football focus graph looks like that old Altel signal bars. It just kept going up one year after the other. So that's a really good sign uh, that he improves a little bit each year. So really excited to add him to my roster. And then I did some work at safety. I made a big splash signing in getting Earl Thomas on a three-year deal. We're paying him $8 million a year. Uh, I know he's aging, and I know he's coming off an injury, which those things do scare me a little bit. But I think Thomas is still the player that the Packers need deep in their secondary and should make Packer fans smile when he's out there instead of ha-ha Clinton Dix in 2019. In the simulation, Morgan Burnett was cut by the Steelers. Uh, so I went out and signed him to a cheap one-year deal as kind of that stopgap until a younger player has proven that they are ready to take his spot. That was a one-year, $2 million deal. And then finally, I was able to upgrade the linebacking group with the addition of Jordan Hicks from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he's known for his athleticism and his ability and coverage, so I loved his combo with putting him next to Blake Martinez. Uh, Hicks came over on a three-year deal. We're paying him $5 million per year. Uh, and so I'm excited about all the things that I was able to do here in free agency. Um, I was really happy with the moves. I honestly think that there um, are some incredible values on this list. And unfortunately, I don't know that the Packers will be as lucky in real life, uh, but we can only hope that they are. Um, and after free agency, I project to be left with a little over $14 million in cap room after leaving some room for the draft class. So that's where we're at. Andrew, what free agents did you lure to Green Bay? 
Yeah, I think you brought up an interesting point. And before I jump into the the players that I chose to sign, I wanted to address that some of the contracts might end up being a little bit higher in real life than the simulation because this is going to be an atypical free agency year. Uh, that is because there are some teams out there that have ridiculous amounts of cap space. So normally the Packers having that 30 to $40 million of cap room, we'd be drooling all over it. But then you look at a team like the Indian Indianapolis Colts that are going to have over a hundred million dollars in cap room and they may drive the market up from where it normally would be and so the best we can do is gauge what these contracts have typically looked like and and move based on that so um, I also chose to sign guard Quentin Spain small world nice I I got him for a three-year, $2.5 million a year. I definitely would have gone up to three and maybe a little bit higher. But I see that you took my advice from a previous Pack-A-Day episode and looked into Quentin Spain. He's a starting right guard immediately. And I have no idea why he isn't getting the free agency buzz he deserves. Really quality. uh, He is a really quality guard. And he instantly improves the greatest weakness on the Packers roster plus buys them a little bit of time to develop another young guy to, to take his place in a few years. I went with an edge player, just like you, a high-priced pass rusher, and I was able to sign D Ford. Trey Flowers wasn't available in the simulation I did, so the Patriots must have re-signed him. Um, but I signed D Ford to a four-year, $11 million per year contract. Ford's position coach is now in Green Bay, so the connection is obvious. If he can figure out how to line up on the correct side of the line of scrimmage, <laughs> he is the force in the pass rush Green Bay hasn't had since prime Clay Matthews. Then I double dipped here and I got edge uh, Shane Ray from the Broncos. I was able to sign him to a four year, $7 million per year contract. You can never have enough quality pass rushers and Ray adds the depth next to Ford and then also adding to Kyler Fackrell. He was a first-round pick and has not been given full-time pass rush duties in Denver because of their crazy depth at the edge position. The contract is a little rich for someone who is relatively unproven, but as a revolutionary in this country once said, give me pass rush or give me death. Oh, my. Yeah, you know, (laughs) just throwing that out there. That's good. Um, So you went with Jordan Hicks. We are on the same page here. Um, I chose to sign uh, Quan Alexander, who's a really similar player, uh, but maybe with a little bit worse track record. Uh, Alexander signed three years, three million per. He is my personal free agent obsession this year. He had a fantastic rookie campaign and has really seemingly struggled ever since then. The talent is certainly there. He's that freak athletic linebacker that LSU seemingly produces every single season, and his athletic profile would be the ying to Blake Martinez's yang. And on top of that, he'll just be turning 25 before next season begins. So Alexander, to me, is going to be one of the great free agency steals. I also wanted to address safety, um, and you went out and got Earl Thomas. I got Tyron Matthew to a four-year, $7 million per year contract. If the Honey Badger hits the open market again this year, I would expect the Packers to finally pounce. They're in 
desperate, desperate need of a center fielder and someone who can make big plays. And Matthew certainly checks both of those boxes. And I love that you went with Earl Thomas, but I'm a little concerned if he can recover from that injury. So Matthew brings his own health concerns, but I'll roll the dice for a true difference maker on the back end, whether that's Thomas or whether that's Tyron Matthew. Then I was able to get Adrian Amos, the Bears safety, to a three-year, $4 million per year deal. Bears fans are absolutely going to laugh at the size of that contract because Amos is a very valuable piece in their secondary, and it seems like a gross underpay. However, after the atrocious market that was there for safeties last offseason, and quite frankly, a glut of options in free agency this year, I don't think many teams are going to be willing to pony up big money for safeties. And it seems Ryan Pace is willing to let Amos walk. So in this case, the Bears' loss is the Packers' gain. Um, all of those signings, that seems like a lot and a lot of money to invest, but that still would leave me with a little over $21 million after I account for the draft class. So now the fun part begins. After our free agents are signed, where are you going to go in the draft? Yes, we finally get to the draft. Uh, first, I have to say, you are quite the capologist. I feel like you signed an additional player to me, and you have more money left. So Well, maybe... remember, I, I also made two cuts. Oh, that's true. You were smart, and you cut the players who aren't actually good, unlike me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so here we are at the beginning of the 2019 NFL Draft. And with the 12th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select. I've always wanted to say that, so I just had to like do that right there. Um, you did a great job. Thank you very much. Uh, with the 12th pick, the Packers select Ja'Kai Polite of Florida. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, ben Fennell has stated on Twitter that Polite is an elite quarterback hunter. And we all know that Green Bay needs some help pressuring the opposing quarterback. And so I'm pretty excited uh, to pair Polite with Trey Flowers and see a complete transformation at edge rusher in 2019. I think we talked a little bit about how the cornerback position saw such a big transform transformation with Alexander and Jackson and just how it looked very, very different last year from the year before. And I think we could see that with Ed Rusher this offseason. But I would also imagine that new linebackers coach, um, outside linebackers coach, Mike Smith, would be pretty happy with me if he got to work with Flowers and Polite as his starters with Fackrell and Perry as his depth. So uh, that's a pretty good group there. And and I think Ja'Kai Polite seems like Packer people, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, if his name was Ja'Kai Rude, we wouldn't want him. But Ja'Kai right. Polite, yeah, yeah. I can get on board with that. Seems like a pretty nice guy. Uh, so let's, uh, let's move on to another guy here. Um, at the end of the first round... I've got Noah Fant at pick number 30 that came from the Saints. The Saints, rather. Um, Hawkinson went much earlier in this simulation, um, but Fant is no disappointment here. Uh, he's an athletic freak and would be the heir apparent to Jimmy Graham. His athleticism and value as a receiver is his calling card, but he's also pretty decent as a blocker. That's an underrated part of his game. So uh, I, that will definitely be valued by Matt LaFleur. Um, in the second round, I was able to land uh, Dalton Reisner. 
Uh, I selected this guy out of Kansas State. He's an offensive tackle, and a lot of people want to move him to guard, but I would really like to see him as Brian Balaga's successor. So uh, we'll try him there. At worst case scenario, he moves to guard and gives you probably a Pro Bowl level guard for a long time if that ends up happening. And then this is where things get a little bit dicey here for me. The third round, uh, Debo Samuel is falling in this simulation. And I just can't help myself. I love Debo Samuel. I think he's a great talent. So I traded our third round pick, one of our fourth round picks, and a sixth round pick to move up 10 spots. So sue me. But we moved up to the first pick in the third round, and we picked Debo Samuel uh, and gave this, in my opinion, a much more explosive, younger version of Randall Cobb to Matt LaFleur in this offense for that true uh, weapon that they need in the slot in this new offense. So that's your third round pick. Uh, Jaquan Johnson from Miami was my fourth round pick, and he is to be the successor to Morgan Burnett. He's undersized at five foot 11 inches, 190 pounds, but he plays bigger than that. And I think he could grow into a starter in the NFL. Um, Hunter Renfro, my fifth round pick. Um, he should not be good. He has small hands. He's slight of frame, but he catches everything. And we've seen that at Clemson for years. Um, and he's a super smart player. He's really good at finding holes in the zone and getting open on some scramble drills. So uh, you know who else likes some scramble drills? Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers likes some scramble drills. So I'd love to see Hunter Renfro paired with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Jimmy Moreland is my sixth-round pick out of James Madison. He's a cornerback uh, who just makes plays. Um, He actually had 18 interceptions during his time at James Madison, six of which he returned for touchdowns. I have no idea whether or not Jimmy Moreland is good. I don't know. Uh, But Packers safety Raven Green was talking him up on Twitter. Uh, So in the sixth round, I'm going to give him a shot, uh, trusting Raven Green's connection with him at James Madison. Um, And then running back Karan Higdon from Michigan is my final pick in the seventh round. I believe that Higdon might be one of the most underrated prospects in this entire draft. Uh, He has some serious elusive traits, and I know this is going to seem rich, but they really do remind me of Aaron Jones. I don't think he quite has the burst and explosiveness that Aaron Jones has, but he does have that elusive trait that I do think is special and could be a great piece to have behind Williams and Jones in this backfield. So uh, what does your draft look like, Andrew? Well, uh, I got on the clock at at pick 12, and you may remember last year Packers' Twitter nearly melted down when Brian Gutekunst moved from pick 14 all the way to the Saints slot, and then, of course, inevitably moved back up. Um, but that that sense of panic of you know having this high pick and then not necessarily utilizing it. Well, I got a I got a trade offer that I absolutely could not refuse with pick 12, and so I traded it to the Titans for their first round pick number 19, their second round pick number 19, and their fourth round pick number 19. Uh, the draft trade value chart will tell you that this is a slight overpay by the Titans. But I'm liking the idea of moving down a little more as time progresses. To me, there seems to be a lot of similarly graded talent from picks 12 to pick 20. And the idea of adding value to improve the depth of the roster is just too much for me to pass up. The Titans moved up to nab Jakai Polite, still going at 12, same as your simulation. Um which is absolutely a situation I could see playing out. The Titans are looking to replace or at least find an heir apparent for Brian Arakpo. And if they fall in love with Polite, 
um, to put him opposite of Harold Landry, they might be willing to give up some assets to go get their guy. And I know, again, speaking of Packers Twitter, the Titans getting Harold Landry and Ja'Kai Polite um, after I'm sure many Packers <laughs> fans have fallen in love with both of these guys may, may be a little uh, rough for a while. But um, I did slide back into that 19th pick, and then I went uh, to select, and I still got my guy at 19. And that is tight end TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. He has gone from probably a second-round grade to potentially being in some top 10 conversations. If he puts up crazy numbers at the combine, he is going earlier than pick 19 for sure. But as of today, that's a spot that I am more than comfortable with. I would have even considered him at pick 12. He is young, um, being a red shirt or just coming off his red shirt sophomore season. And he's the ideal dual threat tight end. He will absolutely dominate you in the run game. And then he'll turn around and run past you in the pass game. And if you heard our season-ending tight end breakdown, TJ catches everything. So um, I think Matt LaFleur would be really excited to have him on the squad. Then I still have pick 30, um, and I went with Edge Brian Burns out of Florida State. Burns is going to be controversial among Packer fans because he's a little light, and he wore number 99 at Florida State. So people are going to have flashbacks to Jamal Reynolds. But Burns is a completely different player. He is incredibly quick off the snap. He has great bends to get around offensive tackles. And then having added Shane Ray and D Ford in my simulation, Burns is just going to get to focus on the pass rush situations. So the Packers suddenly are going to have guys out there who can get around tackles. And, of course, they already have the guys in place who can push up the middle. So opposing quarterbacks, watch out. Burns definitely could go higher than 30. Um, he, I mean, he, I've seen him mocked absolutely all over the place. Uh, but I think him being light is going to scare off some teams because he's not going to be able to play in rundowns early in his career. In the second round, uh, I had Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma fall to me. He's another player who could absolutely rocket up draft boards um, at, and really end up being kind of a pick in the 20s or, or late first round. Ten years ago, he'd take a big fall because of his size. But with guys like Brandon Cooks and Tyree Kill wrecking the league, some innovative offense is going to find a way to use him to just mess defenses up. He is a perfect fit for what the Packers have with Devontae and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown, and he'd fit in really well and be that creative chess piece for Lafleur's offense. With the 19th pick in the second round that I got as part of the trade, um, I am going to take Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama. Um, so the, now I've taken two tight ends with the, <laughs> the picks that I've acquired to trade down, and he's a super young, raw uh, talent, and he may need a year of being used as a specialist to get up to NFL speed. But by year two, I think the Packers could have a legit Gronk Aaron Hernandez kind of connection, you know, minus the reality shows and the murder. <laughs> um, and Matt LaFleur has an affinity for tight ends. And now we're going to have a tight end room uh, with Jimmy Graham, Irv Smith Jr., and TJ Hawkinson. Can I interest you in that? That is incredible. If we leave this draft with two of those guys of the tight ends, and I just can't stop laughing at your reference of what actually happened in New England. So I just gotta—you're just gonna I'm have in, to move on. I'm investing heavily. Um, in the third round, I'm taking guard. Uh, whoa, 
I choked there for a second. I'm going to take guard Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. I got really excited about Lindstrom. He had a really strong senior bowl, and he can move up further. Um, I've seen him, you know, mocked early second round. Um, I'm more comfortable with him in the third round, and so I'm glad he ended up in this area. And playing behind a veteran for a year or two would really do him a lot of good. With my fourth round pick, uh, pick 12 in the fourth round, I'm going to take Miles Sanders from Penn State. Uh, Can I admit that I want Miles Sanders because he sounds like a player I would have created in Madden when I was a kid? Absolutely. That seems totally rational. It's a good reason. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole reason. I just love his name. Um, Sanders isn't necessarily special in one specific category, but he is really, really well-rounded as a prospect. And I think um, as a third running back, um, or potentially even moving up to second, he has a little bit more wiggle than Jamal Williams and and might be a dynamic guy. The Packers are going to have to address that third running back situation because LaFleur likes to use his running backs and he likes to rotate them. So um, they definitely are going to be looking to acquire another player there. Uh, the 16th pick uh, of the fourth round, a.k.a. the Haha Clinton Dix pick, um, that I am going to select Edge Jalen Jelks from Oregon. Uh, he certainly looks the part. He really hasn't used his side and size and speed combination to produce at getting to the quarterback, but he has the potential um, to be a really dynamic player just based on his build and his potential. And I think that makes him a fourth-round pick. So right away, he's going to be a really strong special teamer and potentially even a rotational pass rusher. With that 19th pick, so this is the final pick in the Titans trade, I really wanted to take another tight end to to keep (laughs) on base, but um, instead I ended up with Hunter Renfro from Clemson. So, hey, we have a common player. There you go. I think, you know we're starting to create a glut of playmakers here, but Renfro is too good to pass up having five wide receivers available like Devante MVS ESB Hollywood Brown and now Renfro. And that's not even factoring in that Jamon Moore couldn't take a huge step up. This is going to give LaFleur some really awesome personnel options to create those mismatches that he likes to do. Um, with my fifth round pick, I'm taking TJ Edwards. This is my second TJ of the draft, um, a linebacker from Wisconsin. He is just a really solid player all around. He could fill in that Jake Ryan role. And I think eventually he has, you know, the potential to be a starter. He's going to be a really strong special teamer from day one. And last week we talked about special teams. And so I wanted to place some importance on that as well. Um, in the sixth round with the 12th overall pick, that's my first sixth rounder. I'm going to take guard Lester Cotton from Alabama. He is a mauler. Um, and he definitely struggles with his footwork and moving in space. Um, but this is a different coaching staff and different offensive line skill set he has the potential to be a dominant run blocker um, and somebody who could win against a pass rush pass rusher like in a locker what they talk about you know not where he has to move a whole lot um, he's a nice depth piece at the guard um, and I think they definitely need some uh, you know change in personnel at the backup offensive line positions with my second sixth round pick i'm taking bruce anderson a running back from north dakota state yeah another running back i know um he could be a really special runner and receiver and he may actually end up being better than a guy like miles sanders but for the sixth rounder i'm okay taking a guy who could potentially end up being cut if he doesn't show that right away um he has the potential to be more of a third down back and and i think that's something that the packers kind of lack on the roster 
roster right now. And in the seventh rounder, I'm taking safety Marquise Blair from Utah. He is a guy that just checks the boxes with the physical tools, and Brian Gutekunst has looked at those guys um, in his first draft. He has that size and speed combo. He's never really put it together, but I could see him having more of a Kentrell Bryce-type career arc, um, hopefully with a little bit better payoff. Um, as Kentrell Bryce has made me look a little foolish for investing as much in him as I have. And then, you know, I know we're not talking about undrafted free agents, but there was a guy I just couldn't quite pull the trigger on, and he ended up not getting drafted. But he's a defensive lineman, again, from Wisconsin, and being a homer here, um, but his name is Olivier Sagapalu. And I wanted to draft him really, really badly. I never got the chance to, but he reminded me, uh, or I was reminded of him because Kalen Saunders of Western Illinois got a lot of publicity at the Senior Bowl because he was able to do backflips at 310 pounds. Well, Sagapalu can do a standing backflip in the sand, and he was listed at 342 pounds. He's not going to impact the pass rush much, but this is a guy you can put out there on first down and know he is going to be disruptive and force teams to double-team him. And I really liked what Tyler Lancaster did last year, but to me, Sagapalo is a better version of him. And since all my edge rushers are really light, uh, we're going to need some people to stop the run. And Sagapalo is is a potential there. So now we've covered cuts. We've covered re-signing. We've covered free agency. And now the draft. Let's take a look at how the rosters turned out overall. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed your draft, Andrew. Uh, you gave me a lot of consistency in giving me multiple tight ends and multiple TJs. And uh, um, even dealt, dove into like the undrafted free agents, so you got some bonus in there. Uh, one thing I was thinking about as you were going through this is we really don't have a great read on what to expect from Brian Gutekunst and from the new coaching staff because we've been able to kind of predict what the coaching staff likes and what Ted Thompson's um, you know, minimum measurements and, you know, athleticism thresholds and those kinds of things are. So that's that was a big uh, factor for me, like thinking about offensive linemen and those kinds of things. And so we'll have to wait and see how that works out. But uh, a little bit harder to predict this year. So something to watch there uh, to kind of go over where we've been and what we've done in the simulation. Uh, at Edge Rusher, I chose to keep Nick Perry on the gamble of him having a better 2019 but he is now my third best edge rusher not your number one so edge is trey flowers jakai polite with depth of nick perry and fackrell and kendall donerson sneaking in there uh, at safety i went in on earl thomas and then brought back uh, morgan burnett to be the stopgap until fourth round pick Jaquan Johnson is ready. Uh, linebacker Jordan Hicks was added as an athletic linebacker to play besides Blake Martinez. And then the offensive line also received a ton of help by getting Quentin Spain to shore up right guard while getting future right tackle Dalton Reisner in the draft. So uh, we also got Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, uh, some new toys in Debo Samuel, Hunter Renfro, and Noah Fant in my simulation. So I felt really good about the places that we were able to identify that we needed to upgrade and where those things ended up being at the end of the offseason. Yeah, so I wanted to uh, start my summary with the areas that I wasn't super thrilled with and end with uh, more of the positives. So we added the inside linebacker. Quan Alexander could play next to Blake Martinez and be a good complement there. TJ Edwards and Oren Burks would be the depth behind them, but I'm not sure I would be super thrilled with how I address this position. 
present and future at right guard um, were addressed with Quentin Spain and Chris Lindstrom. Um, and I added Lester Cotton for a little bit of depth there. And I didn't address tackle at all. So that's probably the biggest weakness of this simulation for me. However, the areas that I liked uh, what I did, I rebuilt the edge position completely. We have D Ford, Shane Ray, Brian Burns, Jalen Jelks, and you're going to add them to Kyler Fackrell and then potentially Kendall Donerson if he can make a step as well. We rebuilt the safety position with Tyron Matthew and Adrian Amos as your starters. Marquise Blair can be a developmental prospect behind them and then let some of the current players fight it out for the fourth or potentially fifth spots at safety. And I added a glut of weapons for Aaron Rodgers. We have Hollywood Brown, Miles Sanders, Hunter Renfro, Bruce Anderson, and then the tight end position, which goes from a major weakness to an absolute strength by adding TJ Hawkinson and Irv Smith Jr., to Jimmy Graham. So Kyle, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, sure. So obviously we made this all look super easy and free agency in the draft will not probably break as favorably for the Packers or as simply, um, but it is still so fun to just consider the options that Green Bay has to get better over the course of the next couple months. So uh, make sure you find Andrew and I on Twitter and tell us how horrible our offseason simulations were. Uh, no, but seriously, we would love your feedback and we would look forward to dialoguing with our listeners on Twitter. So, so find us there and we'll be looking forward to talking with you guys. Yeah, and I think the thing that makes this interesting and the thing that makes it fun is there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions. And really, like the part of the Packaday podcast that I appreciate is being able to interact with fans who have, um, you know, similar opinions and different opinions. And, and um, you know, that forces me to go back and look at some players that maybe I haven't explored yet. Um, but we are way over our time and we need to wrap this show up. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please let us know what you thought of our offseason simulation, what moves you liked, which ones you didn't. And if you'd like to see us do this again, please remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark. We'd also like to officially welcome Maggie Lawler and Paul Brettel to the Packaday team. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week with more on the Packers offseason. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap, Rogers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end, and a dagger, they beat Morris Playboard, to the back line of the end zone, the Packers have won it, snap to Wild, oh yes, and taken by Jackson in the end zone, for a touchdown, Geronimo Allison, Josh Jackson, the Recovers in the end zone in a Lambo lead to the north end zone stand. The Packers have a 6 nothing lead. Pepper on third down of three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz and here they come. Pepper looking. Hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline. And intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers looking right. Throws the right side. Deep ground makes the catch. Nice reach. Get out of bounds.
five of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five. 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap Ryan. Looks right. Goes right down. Intercepted to the house. Bishop Greenland. Touchdown. Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return. And it's 16-7 Packers. Rodgers looks it over. Takes the snap. Blitz on. They pick it up. Lofting out. They got him. Touchdown. Touchdown. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks it under center. On the 29 of Green Bay, and here is the handoff up the middle. Big